Welcome to the Nick's State of Mind podcast. I'm your host, Danny Small, alongside my co-host, Chip Murphy. Matt Castillo won't be joining us today, but he'll be back next week. And today, me and Chip are going to take you, take you home. We certainly have a little bit to talk about, and it's not anything really all that fun, because I'm sure anyone listening to this pod right now watched the disaster in Milwaukee. Just an absolute beatdown at the hands of Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks. So we're going to just start out with some general thoughts and reaction to that. I'll start off with you, Chip. Um, I don't even know what question to ask to kind of open this up. <laughs> Obviously, was not good last night. <laughs> no. No, that was, that was pathetic. I mean, my... Uh, first thought when the game ended was, and it, I didn't even wait until the game ended, it was this team quit on Fizz. And the one thing that the Fizz defenders had always said about him was, oh, well, the the team, you know, they still fight hard for him. They defend him, all, they, uh, defend him in the media all the time. They play hard for him. You know, they never give up. Last night they gave up. Uh, I think it was... 48 at one point in the fourth quarter. I know mm-hmm. when Giannis came out, they were up like 38 points or something. <clears throat> so it was a 44 point win, right? I think the final was yeah, 44. 44 because Allen had that, that bank three at the end. Yeah, yeah. And when uh, Giannis came out in the third quarter, they called the dogs off. Uh, but it was such a, I think Bondi had the tweet. It was such a, like, a, a Knicks thing for that to happen because that Knicks were deciding between two coaches and they mm-hmm. chose the guy who is coaching the worst team in the NBA, the Knicks right now, instead of the guy who's coaching the best team, maybe in the NBA, but certainly the best team in the East in the Milwaukee sure. Bucks right now. And according to some reports and even some people were saying the other night, uh, the Knicks were actually Bud's preferred team. He wanted to come to New York, and they still chose Fizz over him. But it's it was, you know, we've seen things like this in the past. It's been a while. I I don't know if we saw that much of this during Jeff Hornacek. Uh, we definitely saw it during the Def- Derek Fisher years. They definitely quit on Derek oh, Fisher. Yeah. They oh, really yeah. did. Uh and I'm kind of surprised that it happened under Fizz. I really am because that he's supposed to be like the player's coach. And he even admitted it. His comments after the game were mm-hmm. kind of eye-opening. I mean, uh, what, what did he say? He said, we went in not even thinking we yeah, could we win didn't believe or something. We could, we could beat yeah. them. We didn't believe we could beat them. Which, we didn't believe we could beat them. That's... If, if you're, yeah, if you're, if you're calling it before the opening tip, you're just, we, there's no way we can beat them then that's just, that's bad. And I agree with you. That's on the coach. It definitely looked really, really bad for Fizz last night. But it's I think it's, you know, the players definitely deserve some of the heat as well. 
because, I mean, you lose Frank Nilekina and Marcus Morris, two starters, two important guys for you, but you can't crumble like that. I know the Bucks are fantastic. Giannis is otherworldly, but you can't just completely crumble like that and just go down, you know, whatever it was, 17 in the first quarter, and then the second quarter you just showed no life and the game was already over. I mean, it was just, ugh, there was – just one team at one team is up 30 and they are playing every possession They're you know, they're playing as hard as they can. The other team who's down 30, it's just playing, you know, going through the motions. I mean, no one could shoot. Well, the lid was on the basket. Uh, there's just guys just not hustling back on defense. I think it was, I think it was the post might've been the daily news. I don't remember. I saw it was a back page. It said something about like nice defense and it's Chris Middleton going up for a dunk one guy trailing them, and then the other four guys just like kind of standing on the other end with their hands on their hips. And I know a picture will, it's not like, it's a lot, it's a lot different when you're watching it on live video, you know, maybe he, he was way out in front. It doesn't matter if they run back, but just the optics of it looked so bad. And, you know, I have, I guess I've been more on the Fisdale defender side for most of his tenure but that was not a good look for him. Really, really bad look for, for Fizz. And I mean, I know it hasn't. We we've mentioned it once or twice on the show. But there's this idea that you know the Knicks could be a player for Giannis in a couple of years. <laughs> not not if they're going not if they're going out there and playing like that against the Bucks. And I'm not saying that the Knicks are are like that's their plan or anything like that. But obviously, this is the NBA, and people are always looking like two and three years down the line, and you're already hearing that connection of like, will they get, you know, will they try and go for Giannis? Which, not after last night, or not after Monday's game. Just no, that was that was bad. That's about as bad a loss as you can have in the NBA. Kyrie Irving played against the Nets four times a year for the past couple of years. Last year, he played against them four times. And they played their asses off against him. Mm-hmm. And you watch the team play their asses off. You watch he played against Spencer Dinwiddie, guarded him, whatever you want to say. And he saw what they were capable of. And then he pitched KD on that. You know, mm-hmm. Giannis Antetokounmpo plays against a team that quits. He sees a coach that he's a smart guy. He sees this coach. He reads what this coach has after the game. You're right. He's not going to want to come play for this organization. So uh, it's you're right, and uh, it's crazy. The only people who believe that Giannis is coming to the Knicks are James Dolan and Steve Mills, <laughs> and they. It's scary, but James Dolan probably thinks that Giannis is going to come to the Knicks. But oh god, it, it's. I don't know if you even want to dive into Julius Randle, but that guy drives me absolutely fucking insane i can't every time he dribbles the ball from the top of the key and thank god frank didn't play last night i really i'm glad he didn't have to play in that game because every time julius randall brings the ball up and frank looks to catch the pass and randall looks him off and takes it up himself instead i i grab my fucking forehead i'm sorry i'm Mm -hmm. cursing so much but I can't no, not let curse it out. When this I is can't what the pod's for. Yeah, I can't not curse when I'm talking about this. It makes me so angry when he takes these bad shots. And when he comes out after the game and he's, Randall says, we weren't connected as a unit. Like, 
are you saying that the rest of the team wasn't connected as a unit? When you go out and you take, you lead uh, both teams in shots in the first quarter, and you go two for six in the first quarter, and it's all ISO shots, and it's all bad shots, and there's no offense. I mean, I don't even blame him completely. I blame Fizz because now it's been well documented all over the place that he's been completely miscast in this role. It's a horrible decision. And after 21 games, if Fizdale really can't see that Randall shouldn't be playing in the role that he's playing as this point forward that he set him up as, then that has to make you question whether or not he's a good Because the people who are Jeffersons on TV and the Kendrick Perkins who are like, oh, it's not David Fizdale's fault. That makes me wonder whether or not they're watching the games because this guy is not doing a good job. He's not. You, the counterpoint to that would just be, you know, what did they, what did, like, what was the agreement on both sides from Randall and, you know, and the, the organization when he signed, you know, I mean, he's, he was the guy who signed the big contract. He's the big fish in this small pond. Was it, you know, Hey, we're signing you. You're going to be the guy. I mean, you would assume that's part of it because he had all-star incentives built into his contract. Um, so you would assume that they, they had told him, you know, we're going to let you be the guy. And as bad as the season's going, it's tough to tell your big money guy, you know, listen, we're changing it up. Like I see people on Twitter talk about, you have to bring Julius Randall off the bench. That's not, that ain't happening. I mean, he's their, he's their big money guy. That's why he gets the ball at the end of games, things like that. And it's not working right now, but I just, I don't know if they're going to change it. I think they're, they're going to change the coach before they change Julius Randle's role, I think, because but but don't you sorry to cut you off, but don't you think it's a bad way to run your team to run the offense based on who makes the most money? I th- I, I agree with that. I I think that's definitely a bad way to run your team. But I, I, it, as far as I can tell, that's the that's the way they're running the team because if I mean you know Fizgets ends up getting fired, Keith Smart, Judd Boozler, who you know whoever ends up being the coach. Are they gonna Are they gonna come in and you know yank Randall from the starting lineup, bring him in as a six man? I don't know. No, they're not. You're right. They're not. Not as the which, interim. They're not. No interim coach is gonna make that drastic of a move. Which they're yeah, not. which is just part. I mean, part of the problem is I think the Knicks are just kind of stuck with what they have right now. I mean, the the only the only thing that's gonna happen to change this roster at all, and you know, change the kind of the kind of makeup is just a trade that sends. You know Marcus Morris to someone else who's been yeah. he's been the, he's been the guy that they thought Julius Randle was going to be. I think it's the the roles are a little different because Morris is more of a you know he's not like a point forward necessarily. But I I I was not high on the Marcus Morris signing to start the year, but I'll I'll give that I'll I'll eat some crow on that because he's been he's been excellent. And I think seriously like this is a bad it sounds bad. But they like they lost Marcus Morris, and it's like they com- they just completely collapsed. Which just, I mean, if that's where you're at, that's a bad place to be as a team. Um, but I don't know. I like with the Randall because he's not playing well. But what what are they gonna do? Like, I just don't. It's I feel like there aren't many options. What are they gonna do? I mean, they're gonna stop running the offense through him, ideally. <laughs> I mean, 
I know it's it's easy for me to say on a podcast, but stop isolating him from the top mm-hmm. of the key. Stop after stop after timeouts. Stop running isolations for him in the post, or just isolations for him at all. Mm-hmm. Stop just stop running so many isolations for him because his inefficiency on isolation plays is evident whether you're looking at the metrics, whether just by the eye test, he's has to be, I, I don't have the uh, synergy stats in front of me right now, but he has to be in the bottom 10 percentile of isolation mm-hmm. uh, in terms of efficiency. He's, my, he's problem, my problem with you, not to cut you off. I'm just, I'm actually no, circling back to something you said, but yeah, my problem is like the, the look off of maybe yeah, like, yeah, when he looks off Frank and gets the ball and brings it up himself, that bothers me a little I bit. Yeah, but the uh, like last night it or Monday night because I think this will come out Wednesday. But Monday night, yeah. um, there were a couple plays like he he ended up getting a foul called, went to the line, got a rebound, like put back or whatever, and ended up making the a, a decent play. But there were a couple where you just see there's five bucks surrounding him in the paint. And there's four oh mics on the outside, and he's just in the middle of them. And it just listen. I don't want to. I don't want to like hammer the guy too hard because I think he's in a he's in a tough situation as well. But it's just the optics of it look really bad when you know it's like it's one of those like Kobe memes where there's you know five guys. I was around. just gonna say he looks it, like it, Co- he looks like Chris Mim, Kwame Brown, Kobe out there sometimes. Yeah, he really yeah, does. You know, it's like the Knicks have Smush Barker in the corner. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, Julius Randle refuses to pass to him because he hates him or something. Yeah. <laughs> Smush Parker. I didn't I didn't realize I was going to go there at this podcast, but I, I like it. We're uh, Yeah, exactly. We're, we're, we're on a roll. Reference. <laughs> we're on a roll right now. Uh, but I guess since we kind of got that little uh, – our little – our thoughts out on the Milwaukee game a little bit, and we kind of touched on it a, a little – uh, the the next thing I think that's going to happen if the Knicks continue this losing streak, and of course, we all know their schedule coming up is absolutely brutal. Uh, they've got Denver on Thursday, the Pacers, who were playing really well despite not having Oladipo back. They've got them on Saturday, and then they open up a four-game road trip. Portland, Golden State, Sacramento, Denver. I wouldn't be, and this is just speculation on my part, this is not anything i no or anything like that but they had that impromptu press conference and they've been two and nine since that and they said they wanted changes this i don't know i don't know if fisdale survives this stretch of games coming up here um and it's it's kind of unfortunate because like i said i've been a been a fizz defender for the most part and i i kind of i wrote off last season as you can't even use that against them because they were just outwardly tanking but I'm just looking at it on its face, and I just don't know if he if he lasts here much longer. Well, can I just you said you're a Fizz defender, and I've tried to defend Fizz too because I'm I'm trying to be more positive this season because I I wrote I They're wrote not off yeah I wrote off last season as a wash too, but can you name me as a Fizz defender? some good things that he's done. I I just can't like what makes him a good coach. He came in as this player development guy. That's how he was built. You know, like, like that's how Kenny was built 
when he came to Brooklyn, right? Mm-hmm. And and look what Kenny did. Karis LeVert has already exceeded expectations. He broke his foot like 20 times at Michigan. Nobody thought he was going to be this good. Jared Allen's exceeded expectations. Spencer, Look at what Spencer Dinwiddie is. Holy shit, he came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And in New York, uh, the only guy who's developed is the guy that Fizz buried at the end of the bench, who he didn't even want to play, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> who's the guy that we all love, obviously. But DSJ regressed from when he was in Dallas. Mitch looks lost on defense out there. I don't know what's going on with him. But And now refs are targeting Mitch, too, because they know he's a stupid defender sometimes. Mm-hmm. So he's picking up fouls that aren't even fouls anymore. And Knox, Knox looks like a deer in the headlights. My dad, who doesn't even watch a lot of NBA and doesn't even know who Kevin Knox is, really, uh, was watching the Knicks game with me the other night against Philly and was like, oh, my God, what the hell is going on with that guy? He's just completely clueless on defense. And I just don't see, other than Frank, what has really improved. And I don't think Fizz really had anything to do with Frank's improvements because, like I said, he buried him on the bench. I think it has more to do with, and you know this way better than me, what happened in FIBA, and Frank gained a lot of confidence from I that. That's, I think that's a huge part of it. And Yeah. Uh, I mean, you asked me that question. Yeah, I sorry. Kind of, I kind of, no, no, no. I, <laughs> I don't have an answer for it. Like, yes, yeah. that's, that's my answer. Is like, I'm. I was. I think we both agreed. You know, last year was a wash. You can't hold that against them. But now, with everything happening this year, and it's just been so, so bad, it's hard to pick out kind of you know where the improvement was. I guess if you want to make a case that Alonzo Trier is better, than, like he's better than yeah, he thought he was going to be when he yeah. first, when he first, you know, when he was a two way player. But was that development or was that just, you know, a lot of people were undervaluing a, a more talented player, um, which I would but probably. But Danny, now he's burying him too. That too. I mean, that too. It's, <laughs> and uh, I just, my like my own, my old, my own, the only like defense I have of Fizz is a bad one. And I'll admit it because my defensive Fizz is like, look at all this other shit that's going on because it's a clunky roster. Like the it, he wasn't given like a very good group of players, and I'm not I'm not saying that they're all bad players, or anything. I'm not saying that they're bad players. It's just the fit the fits were clunky. Uh, we defended the the whole power like bringing in eight power forwards. We defended that a little bit, but it's clearly it's not working out. Yeah, uh, it you know that's that whole fit is clunky. The young players are getting kind of boxed out in the rotation by some of these older vets. I think, you know, so far the only vets who are really living up to their contracts is Gibson. I would throw him in there just because he's been kind of solid and given them some kind of stability, him and Morris. But that's one thing that's just the roster itself is just a weirdly constructed roster, which I don't know, you know, if the best coach in the league would how much better he would be doing. And then my other thing is the free throw shooting is so horrendously uh, bad and that is not something you can ever put on a like a that's not that's a play that's you, the players at the line those are the guys that you blame for bad free throw shooting you can't put any of it on fizz and like they i know i'm ex, like people think i'm exaggerating when i say it but they should have three or four more wins based on free throw shooting alone i mean that no the that's not an exaggeration the, the, the num- and if you have three more wins right now, you're seven and 13. It's not good, but people aren't, you know, it's not this bad. It's, it's not this bad. And 
that's not a I understand that's not a good defensive fizz to say, you know, like, mm-hmm. well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, what about that? Like, I know that's a bad defense, but that's right, right now, like, that's the only one I think you've got for him. I mean, that's one of my biggest issues with him is the biggest defense of Fizz from like these national media people who love him so much seems to be, oh, well, it's not his fault. It's the front office's fault. Mm. Well, my response to that would be, no, it's everyone's fault. (laughs) You can you can blame both. You can blame the coach and the front office. The roster, like you said, the roster was poorly put together. The fit was bad. But that doesn't mean the coach is doing a, a good job. That doesn't mean the coach is blameless mm-hmm. like everybody else is – like so many people are letting him off the hook. Uh, it's just – I don't get that. Why Why does it have to be one or the other? I don't understand that. And, and – not. No, I sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was no, just no, no. Say, I was done. I was done. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, the first guy to, to fall all the time in these situations is the coach. And that's – Yeah. And I not, hate that. That's, not, hate that's that. not necessarily fair. That's not necessarily right. But it is what it is. And that I mean, like I said in the beginning of this this little segment here, I don't I don't know if he survives this little stretch of games unless you know miraculously on Thursday they beat the Nuggets because I think that would that would go as sad as this is a December fifth win against the Denver Nuggets would go a long way towards towards helping Fizz kind of uh, kind of buy a little more time here to to turn things around. Yeah, look, when Masai Ujiri fires Dwayne Casey or when Daryl Morey fires Kevin McHale, it's looked at differently because those guys are those guys. But why does why is Steve Mills still he should not be still empowered to hire the next head coach? That's all they should all be let go. But that's a, James Dolan firing Steve Mills seems like a a rare possibility. It just doesn't seem like it's going to happen, but to talking about the upcoming stretch, I'm looking at it like you're talking about with the Denver and Indiana on uh, Thursday and Saturday. My God, that could be just, and Jokic kills them. I know he's, I know he's out of shape right now, but he, he really hurts them. And every backcourt in the NBA could pretty much torch the Knicks. And could you imagine if Frank doesn't play against the Pacers with Brogdon? I, uh, I, th- that, I that could be a disaster too. My read on the situation right now is that he's if this is it was more of like a precautionary thing to keep him out of Milwaukee because he traveled there and everything and like he I think he kind of worked out during the day and like kind of shot around to see how he felt. But I think this the sore back is just something that's been bothering him a little bit. I would I would think after two days. No games. If he doesn't play Thursday, I think he's almost – you would think he's pretty good to go for Saturday. But I wouldn't even be surprised to see him back Thursday. But you're right. I mean, it's it's sad when, you know, if, if you lose a developing – a third-year point guard who's, you know, still hasn't figured out exactly what he is. Sad when you lose him and, you know, your, your kind of backcourt crumbles like that. Um, and, yeah, Brogdon, Jamal Murray uh, – Gary Harris. I mean, there's there's some good there's some good guards coming into the Garden soon. And Denver's the number one defense in the league. And Indiana's really and Indiana's got to be top ten. Yeah, so yeah, I'm sure I'm sure they're up there. If it was hard to score against Milwaukee, and obviously they're one of the best defenses too, 
it New York could after was it after twenty one games New York could uh, or after twenty games New York could realistically be what four and eighteen here four and nineteen twenty three four and twenty twenty four so I'd say five and twenty if they beat the Warriors. So New York could be five and twenty after twenty five mm. games. I mean, that's tough. Does, you, do you think he even makes it to the Warriors if they're four and twenty after? I don't think. Make, I don't think they're. Gonna, I don't know. I don't. I, teams. I mean, you never know. I mean, things happen. But I think it's it would be rare for them to to ditch him on, during the road trip. I think it would be something. Teams generally like to do it a little bit, you know, more of in like a friendly way to the. Co- like, I don't, I don't know the right way to describe it, but I would think, you know, if they're going to fire Fizz, it would be, you know, like before the road trip, after it, or you know, like down the line, like when they're home or something like that. Because um, that's kind of a, a teams do it in like across press professional sports, you know, every now and then, but kind of a tough thing to fire a guy like, uh, you know, on the tarmac almost. Yeah. Cause uh, the road trip does end on a Sunday against the nuggets. So, I mean, if they come back from the road trip and they're 15, 16 games under 500, which is a very real possibility, I could see him getting fired at the end of that trip. It's tough. And I mean, you know, this is just, this is all just speculation and us, you know, kind of looking at looking ahead at the schedule and trying to predict things out. But I mean, when you lose by forty four to the Bucks and you're on a seven game losing streak, I mean, I don't think are are we wrong for being for being this pessimistic right now? No, no, I I think no, not at all. I mean, and you're way more positive than I am. So uh, I've been. Uh, pessimistic for a very long time now. I usually don't hit this until like mid January. That's usually yeah. when I, I really I really hit my stride. So yeah, I was we're ahead yeah, of schedule. Exactly. I, I <laughs> exactly. We, the Knicks have the worst offense in the NBA. So I and they've lost seven in a row, and they just lost by almost fifty points in an NBA game. They're a professional basketball team that almost lost by fifty points. So I don't think it's an overreaction. Um, and just this just popped in my head randomly. Uh, this is really just a weird timing thing because a year and a day before the loss to Milwaukee, the like this most recent one was the best moment of the Knicks 2018-2019 season. It was December 1st of 2018. They made like a big comeback in the second half against Milwaukee that was a game uh, Mario Hazonia stepped over. Oh, was stepped over Giannis. That was <laughs> Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox had like 26 points, hit some big shots in overtime. It was like, and at the time, Frank was, that was his first DNP, I think, of his career, or maybe his second, something like that. So it's it just blew my mind how, how things have shifted just completely on a dime almost. So quickly. That, you know, we went from people and – the funny thing was, I was looking up at that box score from that game last year. That dunk was Mario Hazonia's only field goal of the game. <laughs> His dunk and step over. That's not on surprising. That which that's not surprising. I mean, and oh yeah, I was at that game. It was an incredible game to be at. The garden was 
rocking. Like it was, the, I thought the roof was going to go off the place. And then, you know, <laughs> the Knicks were like, a, you know, a, they, they knew they were rebuilding team at that point. And it's just so crazy how things have changed, but not really in a year. It's just different now. I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. It, it is hard to explain. One of my favorite things on Nick's Twitter is when fans argue about how long the rebuild has been going on. <laughs> you got you got the fans who are still positive, who are like, oh, the rebuild's only been going on two years. And you got the fans who are on the other end of the spectrum, like, the rebuild's been going on for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, uh, just, I, I love that. Uh, I love that so much, watching that. That's like, I, I took a class on U.S. foreign relations in college, and we had a big debate about when the Cold War started. Like, what was the what was the start of the Cold War? That was like one of the classes. And I'm thinking about when when did the rebuild start? It's like, oh, when 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 they lost to the Pacers in 2015. That's that's when the rebuild. No, it was 2000. Oh my God, that were uh, at when that, at, Gundy at that quit. That's when the rebuild started. Yeah. We're we're at that point. Now we're, we're we're debating we're debating when they started the rebuild. Oh God, when they started the rebuild, have they even really started? I guess drafting RJ Barrett was the start, right? That's yeah. I think as bad as he was against Milwaukee on Monday, I think I think he's still a positive. I know I know he's got his issues at the free throw line, which is starting to drive me crazy. Uh, but he's he's legit. He's he's got to shoot a little bit better, but it. I like everything. I like everything about him right now. Like in terms of his his mentality, uh, kind of. He's not. He's not really. I mean, everyone looked afraid to, to face the Bucks on Monday, but in general, he's not. He's not afraid. He's he's ready for the moment. Feels like it's. He's ready for New York. He's got a level head. He's always good in the post game pressers and stuff like that. So I like everything about RJ. But it's hard to like. It's hard to pick out positives right now, and you know. Talk about talk about good things after you you know the Knicks they just got blown out by forty four. How funny was it? They posted that picture before the Milwaukee game. RJ working hard on his shot with Keith Ugh. Smart before the game, and then he went over nine. Uh, I that, couldn't. Have, I had to laugh at that after. <laughs> who wait? Who posted that that picture? I think it might have been Begley. I forget. Okay, I don't think right. it was. Oh, okay, it was, yeah. For for half a second there, I I thought it was by the uh the like the official Knicks account. Oh my god, the worst that, fucking Twitter account in the world. That would have been that would have been worse. But I I mean I I, I hate I hate like yelling at random online accounts because it's like it's actual like literal people behind it. Yeah. And I I don't I don't think I know any of the people who run that. I don't think I've ever crossed paths with them at MSG, but I've uh, imagined they have to be around the same area. I mean, but I was kind of funny that they didn't even bother posting the score of they last didn't night. post it, the just, final score? That, I mean, uh, I think it was probably the right move. Whoever, whoever made the decision <laughs> to, you know, let's just post a picture. That was the right move. Cause either way it was going to get ratioed by, you know, 500 people commenting and quote tweeting and, whatnot i mean you lose by 44 there's nothing you could do as a, a social media person is in a bad spot the i wonder what that social media person actually does because that none of their tweets are ever more than like four or five words <laughs> and it's always like 
Mitch with the block. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure, but I think they might. They might do. I mean, they they obviously do more than just the Twitter. I think it's probably. And I don't even know. I, like, I don't. I don't pay enough attention when I'm at the garden to like see what everyone yeah. is doing and whatnot. But I know they. I'm sure it's like a lot of graphic making. Um, you know, posting to Instagram stuff like that. Like I, I'm sure. I don't even. I don't even. Fo- I don't follow the Knicks on Snapchat, but that might be something there. I, I don't guess. know. There's, you know, I see more of the away teams, social media teams, because like they don't have their set spots or whatever, so they're kind of walking around sometimes, um, and they're up upstairs where I sit. But yeah, that's 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 one of the tougher jobs in MSG right now is running the Knicks Twitter account. They were their Twitter account is maybe the most mocked team Twitter account in sports. I would say nationally. Uh, I know they get about it. <laughs> yeah, and they're look, they're bad. They they but it's and the fact that they're the Knicks Twitter account makes them an even greater target. But it's and and it's NBA Twitter, so they're a target. But yeah, that that's true. NBA Twitter can be one of the more uh, I don't want to say immature, but they 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 definitely like their jokes. Oh, they can be a little immature. We'll <laughs> yeah. say that. That guy, God, what's that guy's name? Like he, he says in his Twitter thing that he's like a, a scout or something. What's his name Brian. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, he's so like he posted to you know that guy Andy Bailey. He's really good. Oh yeah, analytics so they guy. Had, they, they had like a, they had a feud. Like it was like an yeah. analytics versus like yeah. non-analytics thing. Yeah, I was like, well, what are you doing? He yeah. he was just he like tweeted at him like uh, name this play or something. I'm like, what the hell's the matter with you? <laughs> Who cares if he oh, can name the yeah, play? Yeah. I did I did see that, and the fun, the only thing that I thought was funny from that because I try and stay out of and not pay attention to Twitter drama because it's yeah I un- I unfollowed the guy after but I saw that I was the, like uh, oh, I've had enough. <laughs> the thing he he said something about like you're influencing millions of people. And it's like even people with like hundreds of thousands of followers are not influencing millions of people. No. Twitter, we think of Twitter as this like super important thing because we we write and talk about basketball. So like you almost have to be on Twitter for it. And we think of it as like this big thing. But there's like, like there's no Twitter is such a small little like percentage of the pie. And it's yeah. like just an echo chamber. Like that's you just I don't I try not to take that that like all Twitter and stuff like that. I try not to take it too seriously. Ugh. Yeah. Lady Gaga influences millions of people. Yeah. <laughs> not us. Lady Gaga. Does she tweet about the Knicks? We should check that out. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. Uh, so Matt and I, I guess <clears throat> I was going to ask you this week too, because Matt and I, we ended with like what we were thankful for, for this season. I was going to um, ask your thoughts since you weren't weren't on the pod last weekend, but with with everything that's happened in the last few days, I don't think I don't know if you have anything for us. Well, what did you, do you remember? What you said? Uh, I said I said Frank. I'm yeah, staying, staying on brand. Uh, I said Frank. Uh, what what was Matt's? Matt's was good too. Matt, uh, I can't, I can't think of it offhand. But Matt, Matt had a good one too. 
Frank. I, I, I would yeah, probably I, say Frank. I just I wanted to I wanted to kind of, you know, I think we've said all we need to say about the Knicks right now. I kind of wanted to wrap up with something not so morbid, like like 99% yeah, yeah. of the rest of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Frank, I Oh, I I remember what match was. Do you want me to do you want me to tell you or Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if you were going to come up with it. No, um, I'm trying beating, to think of it. Beating Porzingis twice. Oh, beating Porzingis twice. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's that, I mean, that's last, our, week, last week it was a little more fresh in our memory. It was yeah, a little easier, but yeah. So I it had Frank. Kind of sad. I had poor, beating Porzingis twice, which yeah, I mean we we both agreed it was a little a little sad, but at the same time, hey, that that at the time they were big big wins for the Knicks, but I don't know much else. I guess a suggestion would be that Marcus Morris is playing really well, and he's probably going to bring some draft capital back but yeah i don't really much, give a shit about that <laughs> either yeah, that how much either of that what, I, I couldn't tell you but, but either yeah, that just, or scott perry's going to trade him for a guy who he drafted with them when he was with the magic or some shit yeah yeah i don't know i'm just i'm trying to i'm trying to throw throw something out there for you <laughs> uh god i wish i could say kevin knox um you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for Jonathan Isaac. Fuck that. I like it. I like it. <laughs> That's a good one. That's, I'm hey. thankful that I get to watch Jonathan Isaac. I love watching Jonathan Isaac. I love watching Markel Fultz. They're fun to watch. The Magic are a terrible offensive team. They're miserable. But I'm thankful for them, and I'm thankful for Luka. Because holy shit, Luka Doncic is fun to watch. Jesus Christ, he's like the most fun, most fun guy in the league to watch. Yeah, it. and I mean, I keep saying like first team All NBA. That's that seems like it's. I mean, we're like, I get it. We're twenty games into the season. There's a long way to go. But if he stays healthy, I would not be shocked if he's first team All NBA. And if he's a legitimate, legitimate contender for for MVP, because that award is serious narrative driven and you know the narrative is going to be pulling hard for Luca. I, I think Giannis obviously is going to be up there as well we've, we've seen firsthand what he can do Harden is putting up ridiculous numbers too but it just seems like he gets shafted every year one way or another yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked to see Luca kind of in that that conversation as this season goes on I think and in terms of uh, I guess on all NBA, I guess he's going to be listed as a guard, right? It's it's weird. Probably, they should just right. have five players. It's so yeah, I, I agree anyway, with that. I think, uh, I think they should have yeah the fifteen guys first, second, third because it's kind of antiquated to to yeah. have to have you know yeah. the certain guys get left out for being a center or whatever. He benefits from Steph not being there. Obviously. That's true, but Dame's been incredible. Dame That's looks good like point. he's going to be on there, um, and like you said, Harden's going to be on there. Um, trying to who else is he competing with? That I, be- Kyrie's missed a few games, but I will. I, I don't think he's going to be first team. I, I he won't he won't jump Luca. No, but no. he 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 might find his way onto a second or third team. Um, but uh, yeah, <clears throat> trying to think what other guards. Are out there. Hard, 
Harden will be first team, but yeah, I think about... he's he's just going to put up such ridiculous numbers that you can't not put him on. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, if Luca's averaging a triple double, you know, thirty point yeah. triple double, how do you justify making Westbrook the MVP and then Luca does it and you mm-hmm. don't put him first team NBA? Even that would be. Yeah, it's just age bias because they don't want to give a guy who's that young that's that recognition. Good, that's a good point. So sometimes, sometimes you get you get edged out a little bit because it's like, you know, this guy. I mean, how long has he been doing it for? It's like pe- people almost feel like you don't want to you don't want to give it to the young buck too early. Well, that's stupid. In yeah, my opinion, I mean, but-, but like, like, I mean. All these awards, I think, are it's a very narrative-driven process. All NBA, less so because it's not you know just one and done. But well, it's a little more important now because of all the money that's factored. That's in that's true too. It, you know, the more uh, I don't even know the exact details, but the more if you make all NBA or all you know All Star teams, you start getting those pay bumps. Luke is going to be expensive. Andre Drummond probably wants to make it because he's got a that's year coming up, man. Nick's, and Nick's he's signing, putting up huge numbers. Nick signing Andre Drummond and Brandon Ingram next year. Or Bogdan, Bogdanovich. Oh, Brandon, uh, Brandon Ingram, I know he's looked great. And I, I told uh, me and Jeff recorded our first show yesterday, actually. And we were talking about Brandon Ingram. And he's looked awesome. But it is just one year and it's his contract year. So that does concern mm-hmm. me. But he's someone the Knicks have to look at. And Andre Drummond is someone the Knicks don't have to look at <laughs> at all. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think you, you make a good point. He, if he makes even, you know, third team all NBA, he just made himself a little bit more money. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think the Pistons are going to bring him back. Apparently the Pistons owner loves him. So. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't realize that. They, they're just a weird team. They're it's just – they're. Talking about poorly put together, like yeah. Blake and Drummond just doesn't work. Yeah, it's just I, a weird fit. As great as you know, as great as Blake is, and they did kind of make it work last year, at least enough to make the playoffs. It's just yeah, and, it's another and weird. lose in the first and, round, yeah, and get smacked. Which, I mean, what what does that get you? I, I think that isn't that the second time the Pistons have done that recently. Just like make yeah. the eight seed and then just get toasted. What's the yeah, what's the peak for Blake and Drummond together? Do they maybe win one playoff series if they're lucky? Like, I, I don't think they, they go yeah. any further than that. I think maybe, you know, them sneaking in, and it doesn't even look like they're going to do it this year, but the peak would be them sneaking in as like a six seed and knocking off the three seed or something like that, which, yeah. I mean, I mean, if that's, I mean your, that's your peak. Them beating, uh, can you see that team beating Boston, Toronto, or Miami in a seven-game series? I don't think so. Probably not. No. But the question, just to bring us back to the Knicks a little bit, would you trade that for – no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I just popped in my head. Would you trade what the Knicks are going through right now for that? That's a good question. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> at least it's logical, right? Like at least, yeah, yeah. At least on a nightly basis, when you're tuning in, you're like, you're like, oh well. Uh, at we least got it, Blake Griffin. At least yeah. we got Blake Griffin. Oh man, that's that's where we're at right now. That's not good. 
That is sad. But the Pistons are stuck in that the last place in the league you want to be, not bad enough to tank and not yeah, good enough just, to do anything. From a from, like from a rational or at least trying to like see all the way down, you know, ahead, the Pistons are are not in a good spot. The Knicks are in a better spot considering all the draft capital and picks and everything they have, but it doesn't make it any easier watching from day to day. I get, I don't, I mean, I've watched Cole Anthony cause he plays for Carolina. So they're on TV all the time. And I've seen a little Anthony Edwards, but I mean, now I, I guess I'm never going to see James Wiseman. So yeah, Cole that's... Anthony looks like he's going to be really good. Um, but the Knicks are going to have to get lucky to get him. I'm sure he's going to be mm-hmm. two or three. And maybe Wiseman won't be one now, I guess, because of the, him not playing. But I don't know. The Knicks are going to have to get lucky with ping pong balls again. Yeah, actually, I um, think I wrote I, I in a column I have going out on Wednesday or one that went out on Tuesday. But I wrote that exact thing is like playing with. Oh, it was it came out. It came out today. Yeah. Yeah. It's I saw like, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like it, they're playing with ping pong balls, you know, once again, like it's which. <clears throat> I mean, they we we know how we know how dangerous that game is. Of you know, well, well, we got we got salary cap flexibility, and we have we have draft picks. We'll we'll we're we're doing this we're doing this thing right. Maybe we're maybe I'm being a little reactionary to like freak out about this season being so bad so quickly. But I mean, you, if you just don't get lucky, guys get hurt, things like that. You can't you can't place your faith in all that. So at, at some point. You have to start winning games and building up from season to season. I completely agree with you for the most part, and that's where I typically am on that. But I'm also thinking at the same time, what's more likely, the Knicks get a good player in the draft who plays well with RJ and Frank and Mitch and Knox or whatever, or that they get Giannis in two years? You know what I mean? Or Mm -hmm. convince another top player. We yeah. both know what the Agreed. answer to that is. Agreed. Right? Yeah. So, Agreed. I don't think we have many answers for no, no, no. All these <laughs> questions on this pie. I think that's what yeah. I'm what I'm kind of realizing right now. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, God, <laughs> it's yeah. depressing now to think about. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I I think I think this is we've said about all we need to say at this point for for this week. It is it is pretty depressing after 20 games we're already talking about 2020 NBA draft prospects. Yeah, we yeah, we already have like <laughs> we're already think, doing I, that. I think that was Matt might have Matt might have mentioned it briefly in the last episode or I I might have I don't remember. Maybe LaMelo Ball once or twice but oh, yeah, LaMelo, yeah. We're LaMelo. but we're they, I mean he's a different story just because of his name but yeah, it's it's kind of depressing that in Dece- the early December Hasn't even reached Christmas, and we're already we're already mm-hmm. talking about Cole Anthony's fit with R.J. Barrett. <laughs> I can't even help it. That's no, it's, yeah, I'm already looking forward to it. Yeah. You're not wrong, man. All right, well, folks, yeah, there, there you have it. Two guys who have been watching a lot of bad basketball. And <laughs> I think you can tell we're kind of at our wits' end, but hey, you never like you never know. They could steal a win against Denver on Thursday, and we could have an emergency podcast about, you know, <laughs> Fizdale's the guy. He's taken over. He's he's figured it out. But 
I don't think you should be waiting up for that one. I think uh, I think this is all we got for you right now. Well, folks, you thought the episode is over, and so did we. But right as I hit stop recording, I remembered something that is a positive for Knicks fans, actually. Mello is playing tonight, so this will come out. We won't have a reaction to his game or anything like that. But we felt compelled to bring up Carmelo Anthony because he is the reigning Western Conference Player of the Week, which got a lot of people like in their feelings on social media and like a lot of national writers pulling out stats and doing you know comparisons <laughs> of players on basketball reference. But the fact of the matter is Melo's player of the week. And for all the stuff he went through, you know, he said he was ready to walk away, almost was was gonna retire. For all the stuff he went through, it is kind of nice seeing him have some success out in Portland right now. It's the place he probably should have went to two years ago before he went to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. He wasn't willing to commit to them in a trade. And the place he definitely should have went to before he went to Houston. Mm-hmm. So it's good to finally see him there because Dame and CJ have publicly supported him a lot and have wanted to play with him. And we've seen them uh, play on Chris Brickley's Instagram together <laughs> many times, or at mm-hmm. least CJ. CJ and uh, Chris Brickley, I guess Chris Brickley is CJ McCollum's trainer. But uh, – it's just good to see Melo back playing basketball and see him happy. Like he wasn't even happy when he was with the Knicks really at the mm-hmm. end. So it's good to see him. I don't know, just making shots and not in an empty gym <laughs> making yeah. shots. I, I don't know. It's the scene with uh, his wife and holding up the mm-hmm. iPhone to his, so his kid can watch him. That was great. And not even Max Kellerman can ruin this shit. That douchebag yeah. on ESPN. So um, it, it's just fun to watch Mello. I, I'm, I'm happy for him. I want to see him do well. Uh, I don't know why any Knicks fan wouldn't. Um, I guess if you really dislike Mello, I don't really get that. But what he's the one guy who was willing to come to New York and handle the pressure. He's the only guy who was willing to do it. So I, I, I really like the guy. I want him to do well. And I think he's a great fit for Portland. They run a lot of ISO. They do a lot of ball screens. Those guys uh, cut a lot. CJ takes a lot of mid-range shots. Dame goes to the basket a lot. They run a lot of pick and roll. Dame and with their shooting, it opens up a lot of space for Melo to take shots. And I think CJ is maybe not the best mid-range shooter in the NBA, but he's definitely one of them, wouldn't you say? He's got to he be definitely, like that. I think in the playoffs last year, he showed he was, you know, I mean, I know they got swept by Golden State, but a yeah. big part of them going to the Western Conference Finals was McCollum, you know, going off in the mid-range, which yeah. mid-range, mid-range is dead, mid-range is dead. I think in those those winning time moment games, you want guys who are comfortable hitting those shots. And I think they're I think in the Western Conference still <clears throat> they'll probably make the playoffs. I think Melo will be a good guy, takes some of those late shots. You know, I think obviously you want to run through Dame and McCollum first, but Melo's showing he's still he still can hit some shots. I know the defense will not be great all the time, 
some of the other parts about his game won't be great all the time. But I think the shooting, I think he'll he'll be fine with that. I'm, I'm kind of echoing you here, but just happy to see him, <clears throat> you know, playing again and back in the league and actually in, looking like he's enjoying himself uh, because he had a rough couple of years there. And I, w- I don't want to say it was all narrative driven because I think he he wasn't he wasn't a great player in OKC. He had his flaws there. Houston, he got cut too early. I think they they just wanted to use him as a scapegoat, kind of. But I'm not saying he was great in either stop. He looks a lot better in, in Portland than he did anywhere else. He caught a pass in the Chicago game on the left wing, and he got a shot. He was pretty open. And instead of taking the shot, he didn't even look at the basket. He just winged it into the corner, and uh, I think it was Rodney Hood had a wide-open three, and he made it. And I was in shock. I was like, that's not <laughs> that's not Mello at all. Making the extra pass, I was like, shit, man. That's good to see. That's yeah. just good to see. Like, it, it feels like he's been humbled by this time away. And it's it's a small sample size, so let's see how he's playing in a month when he's back. Really back, but so far, so good, man. Uh, it's good to see him. Yeah, and I mean, who knows? They're playing the Clippers. By the time people are listening to this, he could have gotten, you know, gone one for 12. Uh, and everyone's, everyone's back on the mellow sucks train. So who knows yeah. <laughs> by, tomorrow, by when this uh, when this pod goes live. But I think we owed it to everyone to at least end on a more positive note than anything going on with the Knicks right now. I think Mello is one of the better stories in the NBA. And that was another thing that I just I, – I know I mentioned it before, but so many people, you know, pulling up Luka stats and Harden stats and stuff. Who cares about player of the week? It's just a, <laughs> it's just like a stupid little award that the NBA gives out. Who cares that Mello got it? Like, is this some, some sacred award that, you know, has to go to the best player every week? And if it doesn't, it's ruined forever. I mean, who cares? They – NBA knew exactly what they were doing. Melo is the best story, one of the best stories in the NBA right now. He had a great week. He got rewarded for it. And now look at it. We're talking about it. Everyone is talking about it. So I don't know. I just I'm 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 glad to see that that, that is working out because I think Melo going out without playing for anybody and Houston being his last stop as an NBA player would have been disappointing 